Hello again, this is Edwin Crozier from the Franklin Church of Christ, and I want to welcome you, and I want to thank you for joining us as we learn to serve and glorify God His way. One of the brethren in the Franklin Church, Mark Joseph, presented this lesson asking the question, just how narrow is God's way? Before we get started tonight, I just want to say I'm glad to see you all here tonight, and uh First thing I want to say is, is just I love you guys so much. You're just such an encouragement to me. And I'm just glad you're here. Just how narrow is the road? What thoughts come into your mind when you think about that question? Just how narrow is the road? I started thinking about that question about two weeks ago. Lori and I had left church, and we went over to the Genghis Grill over here in the Cool Springs Galleria area. We were standing in line with our bowls of meat, and there in front of me was this big, was this big husky fellow with a T-shirt on. And on the back of it was the text of Matthew 17:13 and 14. I want to follow along as I read that. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. I think it's interesting that Jesus uses something that we all know about to, to describe or to explain a principle. We've all driven on roads before. We have our, our road rage stories. <laughs> we have stories uh, about getting behind slow drivers and you can't pass them. I can remember getting ready for my driver's test. And the only two choices I had to practice were uh, a narrow road out in the country. We lived about 15 miles out in the country. And for those of you who live out in the country, you know that there are some pretty narrow roads and narrow bridges. And to drive those roads is pretty intimidating, especially when you got somebody coming at you. But we also had I-65, which came within about uh, a quarter of a mile from our house. And it was one of those wide roads with shoulders and multiple lanes. And I guess you can figure out which one I preferred to drive on and to practice on. I felt more comfortable on that big wide road. It had shoulders and uh, didn't have to worry about sideswiping somebody on the narrow road. Well, what, what is it that we need to learn from what Jesus tells us in Matthew 17, 13, 14? I think where we need to start is just to, uh, let's just find out what, what he's talking about. What is the spiritual principle that Jesus is trying to tell us? Turn over with me, if you would, to 1 John chapter 3. First John chapter 3. I'm going to read a couple of verses out of that chapter. Verse 4 first. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. And if you skip down to verse 7, we read, Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. And then, Turn over to Romans 6.16. We'll get some similar language there. Romans 6.16. Yeah. 
Romans 6.16. This is what it says there. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to somebody to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness? You know, if I studied those passages, I, I tried to play a little word game here, and I substituted, uh, as you can see, righteous or, or an obedient attitude, doing what's right, for the word narrow and broad, lawless or disobedient or sinful life. Uh, that's the substitution I made there. That's, the, that's where we make the... Uh, Distinct, we distinguish what the adjective means. Uh, the road, I'm going to say, is, is your life or your lifestyle. If, if you'll turn over to 2 Corinthians 5 and 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. In that verse it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. It's that last part of that verse that I kind of honed in on there. Things done while in the body, whether good or bad. I believe uh, we can safely say then, to paraphrase this verse, we can say, lawless or sinful is the lifestyle that leads to destruction. But righteous, or doing what's right, is the lifestyle that leads to life. Well, now that, we've, now that we understand what we think Jesus is talking about here, how do we find that narrow road? I believe the Bible teaches that uh, the characteristics of a righteous lifestyle include the ideas of obedience and endurance. If you'll turn with me to Matthew 7 and 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Well, there it is. Obedience, number one, do the will of the Father. Then we're going we're gonna to read that we need to obey Jesus. If you'll turn over to uh, Hebrews 5. Hebrews chapter 5. And beginning in verse 7. Hebrews is one of my favorite books. I really like reading it. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And made perfect, and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest, just like Melchizedek. So we see there that we need to obey God to have our hope of eternal salvation. This has always been a frightening passage to me, but if you'll turn over to Matthew 25, we, we read a 
We read about the parable of the sheep and the goats. Start in verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate the people from one from another as a shepherd, shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. The king will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. The righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or go to visit you? king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment. But the righteous to eternal life. Put your faith into action. This is probably the most important one uh, because... Um, what we hear taught today by so many is that to teach that you need to be obedient, that's a requirement, it, it kind of implies, well, you're, you're trying to earn your way to heaven. And uh, they'll, they'll say that that just means that the, the sacrifice of Jesus just served no purpose. But here we see uh, in this, this last verse, if you'll turn with me to First uh, John 1, 9. Obedience includes confessing. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. What that says to me is is that, and it's just like Paul. Paul had the same problem. Paul really did want to do what was right. We know that. We can read that in several places. But he just could not be perfect at it. And, and the, the sacrifice of Christ serves this purpose. He, you know, we're never going to reach perfection. But even when, we, when we're saved and we're baptized, when we continue on a, in a righteous life, trying the best that we can, we're commanded to confess to one another so that when we do become unrighteous because of our sin we can be reestablished in that righteous uh, state once again. Confess, and he will be faithful to forgive us. So 
some will disagree. This is something I've already said, you know. Some believe you can't fall away. Um, some believe that believing in Christ is all that's required. I think we've seen that there are several teachings here that say we're required to be righteous. Look at endurance. Any of you ever watched uh, one of my favorite movies, Field of Dreams, with Kevin Costner? There's this voice in the field that he keeps hearing. One of my favorite voices, or one of the statements made by the voice, is go the distance. And that, I think, is, is a great example of what's being taught here. If you look at Hebrews 12, Hebrews 12 and chapter 12 and verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So run a race with eyes fixed on Jesus. If you flip on over to verse uh, 7 in the same chapter, we learn that uh, our walk will include some hardship. Chapter 12, verse 7. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we are... We have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while, as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So enduring hardship is part of endurance. Forgetting the past and looking forward to the future. Let's turn over to Philippians this time. Philippians, another one of my favorites. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind 
and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So looking ahead. And this is an important one too. Stay in the same chapter and let's just go down to verse 17. 17 through 21. Banding with brothers and sisters. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For as I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they would be like his glorious body. Okay. So now we know, we've defined a little bit what we believe the narrow road to be. But just how narrow is it? Um, you know, at the Gingas Grill, I was looking at this fellow's T-shirt, and, and that was one thing that really stuck out of me because I was remembering something I'd seen on TV a couple of nights before, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, one way I took, or one approach I took to try to figure this out was, well, let me just see what the dictionary says narrow means, and you can see all the different definitions. I think that first one there... Uh, relates to the, the physical road we drive on, kind of the first example I got. You've got a very narrow, compared to how long this road is, a very narrow physical width. But the others kind of help us to understand a figurative meaning that, that Christ might be wanting us to get here. Jesus defines the narrowness of the road by contrasting it with the broad road. Um, if you grew up, or if you watched television in the 70s, you might remember the match game show. One of the things they always did on that show was they would, one of the questions they would ask is, little Johnny is so lazy. And the audience would say, well, how lazy was he? Well, here, Jesus says, you know, you want to know how narrow the road is. Well, uh, He's going to say, well, let me just compare it to the broad road. A broad road is going to carry many, many people on it. And I guess we can say there are going to be many, many lawless, sinful people. And I think Jesus says that not as a prediction. I think he says it as a fact. The same way that God, the great I Am, who call, he calls himself the great I Am. He can say that all have sinned. Kind of the twilight zone thought. I believe that all of humanity, past, present, future, our entire lives are laid out in front of God as a, as a single page. And so he can state, as a matter of fact, all have sinned. Not that he influenced it, but because he's not, he's not restricted to this realm of time and, and, and height and width and depth. I don't see James here tonight, but he brought this up the other night. Physics, the laws of physics just don't apply to him. Few, and, you know, as another statement of fact, few find the road. 
All have sinned and few do something about it. It's just a statement of fact. He knows it. He's not going to influence what we do, but he just knows that's just a fact. One of the other ways I think that uh, we can understand just how narrow the road is is to turn a couple of chapters back. You know, Matthew 7, 13 is where we started, but if you go back to Matthew chapter 5, his teaching starts out by giving us a good idea of, of the way it was and the way it is now. Because Jesus has come, he's raised the bar. There's a higher standard. Um, it's not as broad as it used to be. It's just a much narrow thing. You know, you start in uh, let's see, Matthew verse 5, verse 21. Here we go. There's a, there's a whole string of them here. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. heard that it was said long, uh, to the people long ago, do not murder. Anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Drop down to verse 27. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And you go down to verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you, oath you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all. And then in verse 37, it says, simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Verse 38, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Turn the other cheek. How many times have we heard that? Verse 43, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Verse 48, just kind of, this is a tough one. Be perfect. Therefore, as your Father in heaven is perfect, be perfect. To me, it just doesn't get any narrower than that. It seems like a tough task. Why do so few find a narrow road? This is what this is what I'm going to tell you about a while ago. When I was at the Genghis Grill looking at this fellow with his uh, T-shirt on, it, it reminded me of a, an episode. I believe the, the series is called Ghost Whisper. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not. I believe it came on a Friday night. I was channel surfing. And I caught the very tail end of a scene. I didn't really know what was happening at the time, but as I watched it, it all came to me. There was a, a large gra a group of people, I'd say a crowd of about 250. They were in a field. It seemed to be getting dark. Dusk or darkness was setting in. They were all chattering and talking to each other. And you don't know what they're doing there. But then there's a big light that just appears. It's like a cosmic disturbance. You know, how they do the fog and uh, get kind of misty and you see a, a bright light shining through. And the, the crowd just kind of turns to look at this light. 
And you zoom, on, you zoom in on a few of these people and their faces just get real excited, you know, and some of them start to wave into the light and they recognize people they know. Look, there's Grandma. Look, there's Uncle Ed. And then the whole group just starts to walk toward this light. And there's a few stragglers at the, at the, at the back of the group. They're dressed in black. And they're, they're kind of walking behind the group slowly toward the light. And all of a sudden, their bodies are just sucked into the ground like you would suck a liquid through a straw. Just five of them just disappear. <laughs> and I thought to myself, okay, 245 went into this light and disappeared. Five sucked into the ground. And I'm thinking, well, that's sure not how I read the Bible. It's just like it's backwards. Few will find the road that leads to life. But what Hollywood wants us to believe is, you know, most of us are going to go to heaven. And the obviously evil, mean people will be the only ones. You know, when these 250 bodies disappear, then you finally see the wreckage of an airplane scattered all over this field. You realize that these people had been on a flight and their plane had crashed and killed all of them. So this was their spirit, I guess. I thought that was very interesting. I make that point to say, what road? Well, let me tell you about one of the... One of my, I have to admit, it's one of my favorite shows, Touched by an Angel. <laughs> I, I sent Mom and Dad a whole season of them, just because I know it's always good for a cry. It's just, but, then, you know, that show is about God's love for us. God loves us. The only problem is, you never hear the gospel of Christ, I don't think, ever taught. And you come away from that show feeling like, well, all the good people, maybe even some of the bad ones, will have an angel escort them to heaven at some point when they die. Um, I mean, it's a warm and fuzzy feeling to know that God loves us so much. Uh, but I, I think Hollywood does a real disservice to us, though, to, just to stop there. Um, you know, there's very few episodes that even deal with a church building. So, it, you know, it's very misleading. And much as I hate to say, touched by an angel uh, leads people to think that there's not a road. What road? You know, I'm going to be good. I'm going to use my common sense, my common sense and in my best judgment, I'm going to do what I think is right. And I'll go to heaven when I die. What road? Um... The same time I was on the internet getting my dictionary.com uh, definition, I thought, well, I'm going to do a Google search of just religions of the world. Boy, there's a lot of them. There was just too I didn't even want to waste my paper. I thought, if I print this off, I'll use a ream of paper. So we had, you know, top six, I guess. You might agree with if I listed them here. We got uh, Buddhism. Hinduism, Islam, Judaism, and of course Christianity. And one that's growing in popularity that some of you may know about because of Tom Cruise is Scientology. Which road? People have never been taught. Which road? Each of these religions has their set of beliefs. They have a spiritual leader. 
They think they know what the afterlife has prepared for us. Which road? We believe Christianity is the uh, religion spoken of in the Bible. But you know, even even those who pro- uh, profess to be Christians, sometimes, you know, even while they've made the right or they they've gotten on the right road, they make a wrong turn. And when we read about this kind of thing happening in the Bible, if you'll turn over to the uh, Galatians chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 6 to 12. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even we or an angel from heaven, if we are, or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we, we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you have accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Am I not... Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it from revelation, from Jesus Christ. So, I don't remember when Edwin had his uh, book that just dealt with how many groups of different Christian ideas there are, denominations. People choose the right road but make the wrong turn. And uh, we're told that that, that's necessary or expected if if you turn over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 19. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So there it is. We, these different groups who have different ideas and, and they come up with different gospels. There it is. It says that's necessary so that those who are approved of God can be easily identified. This is probably the one that still captures the biggest crowd. Most people simply just do not want to choose the narrow road. They're on the broad road, and like I said before, you know, it's like I-65. And and this is what's neat about the way Jesus uses the idea of of traveling down a road. He, He knows we can identify with that. I would much rather travel down I-65 because it's wider, it's broader. I can pass people. <laughs> I don't have to put along. And I don't have to worry about 
cars coming at me and on a narrow road. You know, the same principle applies in a spiritual way. Um, the thing I was remind the passage I was reminded of here was in First Peter. Turn with First Peter four, chapter four there. First Peter chapter four, verses three to five. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, and drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They think it strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. So what we see there is, you know, this verse is directed to the people who decided not to do that, but most people won't ever leave that. They've got their buddies, they go out and party, and they just choose not to leave that way of life. kind of conclude here tonight, I think what we just need to take away from this lesson is, and I hope I've not led you to believe that being righteous earns our way to heaven. That's not what I mean at all. Um, I just remember a verse I want to read that kind of deals with that. Turn over to Hebrews 10. Someone once told me, legalistic righteousness does not get you to heaven. Legalistic righteousness does not get you to heaven. And when I was told that, I thought to myself, well, what point are you trying to make to me? Are you saying that I don't have to obey the rules anymore. <laughs> Edwin's favorite uh, Barney Fife quote was, Nip it in the bud. One of my favorites is, Rule number one, obey all rules. <laughs> Y'all remember that one? Rule number one. That is so funny. But does that earn our salvation? I don't think so. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26, what I would say to this person, you know, I think I know what you're trying to tell me, but here's what I would say. You know, verse 26, I'm going to read 26 through 31. If we deliberately keep on sinning, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who, who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? 
who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified him, and who has insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I want to kind of go back to a figurative idea here. To me, definitely, it's the sacrifice of Jesus and, and, and that grace that comes with that that saves us. And, and the way I like to think about that is, while we might be on that narrow road, this double A back in Missouri, I like to think that, you know, I'm going to make a lot of mistakes there. I'm going to lose focus. I'm going to veer off the road. I'm going to hit those little speed bumps that signal to you that you're on your way off. But what I'd like to think of Jesus' sacrifice as is the sh- a shoulder for that road. We have a safe area. We're not going to be perfect. But when we have those days when we're traveling and we have a blowout, we have to, we have to pull off the road and we have to fix that tire. That's a zone on both sides of that road where it's safe. Uh, we're living a righteous lifestyle. We're allowed to veer off a little bit into a safe zone where we're covered by God's grace. The sacrifice of Jesus will continue to cleanse us of unrighteousness. But you hear these little warning indicators, you know. It's like little cuts in the road. Have you all seen them? You probably run over them. When you run over them, it'll wake you up if you're asleep. That may be why they're there. You get into the shoulder area, you know you've not got much further to go before you're completely off the road. And we've heard the horror stories about what happens when you leave the road on a head-on collision, crossing the median. Do you know what road you're on tonight? Are you even on a road? To be on the road, as we've learned, is to be obedient to Jesus Christ and to be obedient to the end, to go the distance, to endure. And all that begins with hearing and believing the gospel of Jesus. If you've not done that, we're giving you an opportunity right now to do that. If you're ready to start to live a righteous life, if you're ready to confess your faith in Him tonight, Jesus Christ is the Son of God, if you're ready to be baptized for the forgiveness of the sins you've committed in the past, and to be covered by His atoning blood for the sins you continue to commit in the future when you try but you fail. We'd love to help you with that tonight. And if, if you've been on the narrow road and you've taken some wrong turns, First John 1 John 1.9 says, Confess them to us, let us pray for you, and your, your righteousness will be given back to you. If we can help you do that tonight, we'd sure invite you to come as we stand in front I certainly hope this lesson was beneficial to you, helping you see God's narrow way. Remember, broad is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way that leads to life, and we need to be a part of the few who find it. If you have any questions about God's way, about the Scripture, about the Franklin Church of Christ, please feel free to call us at 615-794-2359, or you may contact us through our website, 
www.franklinchurchofchrist.com. Perhaps someone has given you this lesson on CD or audio tape. If that's the case, may I invite you to go to the website that I just mentioned. Again, it's franklinchurchofchrist.com. We have numerous lessons there, both in outline and audio format, that you're free to download and use in whatever way that you believe will draw people closer to God and glorify Him. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to Him, but more importantly, may you richly bless God.